All right, so we have Megan Air. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, we're good. I'm making Uh, it difficult. (laughs) No, we're good. Okay, so we have Megan Wells here from Megan Air and Photography. Megan, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I wanted to bring you on today uh, to ask you about breaking up with Instagram and if it's a good idea. And, you know, I want to get your perspective. It's maybe we can talk about the pain points of Instagram and this kind of crazy notion that maybe a photographer should leave Instagram or explore other options, explore other social media platforms. Um, but I think what might help getting us started is kind of lay out a little bit of context. You know, why don't you give us a quick two to three minutes, kind of who you are, uh, what you're about, and um, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Um, I have been a professional couple and wedding photographer for the past two years. Um, and I have the title traveling photographer and, um, I've been all over the U S shooting weddings and couples, but my favorite place forever will be California. Um, I have a personal Instagram page, a professional photography business page. And then I have a YouTube channel, a blog, a podcast, <laughs> and I think that's it. A Facebook, but nobody gets on Facebook anymore. So, <laughs> how do you see your strategy? How do you see your social media marketing strategy? Is it um, does everything flow first through Instagram and it gets kind of dispersed to other platforms? Or tell me about that. So, when you said breaking up with Instagram, I got a little scared because I don't know if I could do that. Um, Instagram has been the biggest blessing and tool for my business, but I don't think it should be the only tool for a business owner. Um, so Instagram is definitely my platform and foundation and everything gets advertised through Instagram and shared on Instagram and having your name and your business name throughout all kinds of different social media platforms, not only like SEO and search engine optimization, like not only does it pick it up in all kinds of different places beyond Instagram, but it also like, what if Instagram were to collapse? What if, and that's all your business was on. What if you had a fallout or someone somehow like got a hold of your account and you had to start all over and the only work that you'd ever built was on one platform. That's kind of the purpose of like going off Instagram and looking into YouTube, looking into a blog or a website um, or a podcast or whatnot. Because then your personality, which for me is a huge aspect of how I brand myself, is sharing who I am and all different kinds of aspects of my life. Your personality cannot be shared throughout different platforms beyond Instagram. And I think that's so important. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with Instagram. You're kind of hinting at that uh, it's been good that you've had a lot of clients come through there. But uh, I'll be pessimistic. I'm sure it's not always a bright and sunny day. Tell me about um, give, give me the, the raw and real story of, of Instagram with your business. So in regards to my business, um, when you start out with Instagram, um, I think it's really easy to compare, um, and to compete with others on Instagram and have this like overwhelming, like doom of like, Oh, my page doesn't look as good. My posts aren't as good. And you like it tied down to your phone and tied down to Instagram. And it's, it kind of consumes you and it takes over the heart of what you do. Um, But if you can get past that hump, then 
it, it gets better. <laughs> but at the beginning, there was definitely like a solid year where I was like, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to start advertising my work and sharing my work. And so many times when I post something and then delete it or post it and then see someone else whose work I admire and then think, wow, I'm not good enough. Um, and so there's always that comparison game, but you have to put on like horse blinders and only focus on your page and building your business for a while to get past that hump. And then it opens the door for so many opportunities. I would say about 80 to 90% of my clients have found me through Instagram. My personal page is another story. That's a whole, whole different ballpark in, in regards to what Instagram looks like. Um, but business-wise, like Instagram's a free platform for me to advertise on. And I make the bulwark of my clients from Instagram, which is fascinating to me. Like that's the world we live in. <laughs> With we're going to jump into it with the year one, if they are just starting their Instagram or maybe it's, maybe they already had an Instagram account, but now this is year one of them starting their photography business. Uh, I'm hearing staying consistent. I'm hearing, you know, avoid comparison or does that include uh, avoiding trends? Because it's like, Oh, you know, they're, yeah, maybe let's talk about like year one strategy of Instagram and like, We've got, okay, staying consistent. That makes sense. Like, you know, do what you did the first week and the second week and the first month. Do that on month 12. What a, uh, go a little more into about uh, competition versus um, seeing trends, or I've heard this phrase called like um, intentional consumption. Explain that. Uh, it, it was like, I heard it on a podcast. It was like, uh, you know, I when I'm done creating work, I go out into the world on Instagram and intentionally consume. I don't just mindlessly consume. I go and find find other inspiration or find people outside of photo photography. Trends slash inspiration slash comparison slash copying. Like how all of those kind of play in. Yeah. How, how do you find that balance? How do you stay? Uh, how do you keep the shiny object FOMO away syndrome away when you're on Instagram and how do you kind of like stay focused on your own work and uh, but at the same time staying trendy staying in the know knowing what's going on out there well I definitely think um be like trends exist for a reason and I think to not even acknowledge them would be kind of silly because they can be popular they could be a place of revenue for you or whatnot but I also hit a point where everyone was doing all of these styled elopement shoots and I, as a photographer, was like, oh, that might be kind of fun to do sometime. I should set one of those up. But when I became a bride, I completely rejected Pinterest. And I completely rejected, like, I realized everything that you see when you're a bride and you are planning a wedding is these extravagant looking weddings with like donut walls and flower crowns and all this stuff. And as a photographer, I knew firsthand, that's not someone's actual wedding. That's a styled shoot. And then all these other brides that are planning weddings have all these high expectations of what their day is going to look like because their wedding industry vendors themselves aren't being necessarily truthful for the sake of building content. And that just rubbed me weird. And so I've never done or planned a styled shoot um, or an elopement shoot like that because I want to make sure that I'm not building some false expectation of how much money you should have to have the best wedding of your life. Um, because my people and my clients and the people I serve are wedding people and wedding clients. And most people don't have 
30k thousand dollars to spend on their day and I feel like that would just be a disservice and kind of almost like taunting to my, my potential clients and future clients and so I think there's a line between trendy and stuff you know how everyone did the in and out photo shoots for a while um, some people took it and ran with it and did it in McDonald's things like that going out there and seeing that trend and saying okay that's kind of fun I want to do that with my friends for fun that's totally fine but I also think acknowledging why you're doing it is it because you want really pretty content to put on your feed or is it because you want practice so that you can better serve your clients yeah like in year one it's kind of understandable if you're jumping bouncing around at different trends but um, but the further you get into your business the more concrete your strategy needs to be uh, and that's where you know you're talking about the horse blinders come in that uh, because you know who you are, you know what you stand for, you know your uh, the values and the values that you're putting out there with your photos and your content. Um, so it's like, is it the further out you get in your business, or the if you're a year five into your photography business, do you is that what, you know as the further you go, you're like more and more rejecting trends? Or- I, I think you do because I think you start to say, no, I don't want to be mainstream. No, I don't want to be just another photographer that did another, um, I don't know, in and out photo shoot. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be known by my name, by my work and by what I have to offer. And it's not going to be the trendy mainstream. But what's really funny is that looking at it now, a lot of those photographers who are rejecting the trendy photo shoots and all that stuff and are doing their own thing, those are slowly becoming the next trend. They're doing their own thing where it's like something totally wild and crazy, but then give it a little bit. And the younger photographers who are looking for inspiration and trying to figure out what's cool, find those photographers who have established themselves, built themselves, rejected trends and are doing their own thing. And they're getting inspired by that. And that becomes the next trend. So it's just like an interesting cycle. And that's maybe where that word intentional consumption comes from. It's like if you if you just mindlessly go and see what else is out there, you you kind of lose a sense of yourself, but if you're just going out there to find, or maybe you're seeking outside the photography world to find other inspirations and kind of like true creativity is connecting two totally separate ideas and making and finding that connection. And you're like, wow, I never knew that you could connect these two ideas. This is perfect. Yes, exactly. I totally agree because I think if all you do is look at other photos for inspiration, the copying and plagiarism is hard to not do. Because you're looking at the exact same thing that you're about to create. And there's absolutely nothing other than the fact that your subjects might not be the same person. Um, The whole, there's nothing real creative about it. If all you're doing is consuming the exact same thing you're about to produce. (laughs) The saturation of Instagram with photographers. It's like, it's it's an obvious choice for photographers to go to Instagram because it's, it's photos. You, you make, you make photos, you post photos. It's just, you know, hand in glove makes sense. How do we, it's like, I don't know if we can answer. It's like, how do you stand out? Or it's like, maybe talk about that saturation. It's like, is, and this might go back to kind of the core topic of this podcast is like, maybe you need to start looking for the white spaces or the kind of, greener pastures or you know the uh i won't say like blue ocean strategy or but you know like when it's so saturated even if you do your best are you going to stand out ver- versus going to a different platform and making your own name there and maybe finding some new opportunities there so uh i'm curious your take on like the saturation of photographers on instagram 
for good or bad. Uh, I want to know your thoughts. Well, I would say it'd be silly to not be on Instagram as a photographer. Um, but I do think the oversaturation can be kind of daunting and it can be kind of hard to stick out amongst the crowd. Um, during my senior thesis alone, I did research and found out that there were, if you take all the photographers in the United States, divide it by the states, you'll have over 500 photographers in every single state. Obviously, Kentucky probably has less than that. California probably has three times that. But <laughs> there's hundreds of photographers in every single state. So that kind of goes hand in hand with Instagram where it's like, how do I stand out? How do I make a name for myself? How do I make this work? And I think that's where the horse blinders are important. And like the rejecting trends is important because anyone can take a photo. Um, anyone can hold a camera. Anyone can YouTube how to do photography or whatever. Everything's so free these days. Um, but you have to get creative and like, sit in your room on your own off of Instagram and think, what do I have to offer that maybe the other 499 photographers don't like, what about me specifically can I do? Um, and I, I'm have a graphic design background. I've worked with all kinds of different, um, programs and, um, equipment. And so I was like, well, I know how to do photography or videography. I know how to work my camera and edit in premiere. Um, why don't I take some of my experience and education and knowledge over the years that I've been doing photography and share that with people on YouTube? And then why don't I also create a blog? Because I know I like to write and I know I like to share things like that. So why don't I also do that? And it doesn't have to be super photography specific because if it was photography specific, I guarantee you there's a million other people doing that too. But if it's Megan Wells specific, well, I'm the only Megan Wells. And now I stand out because I'm the only one that can speak on these things as Megan Wells and can share these things and create these things as Megan Wells. Um, so I think not being on an Instagram would be really silly. I think it's the easiest most simple platform to use as a photographer. But I think if you're clinging to Instagram and like beating your head, wondering why it's not working, <laughs> get creative, maybe get off of Instagram for a little bit or think, Hey, you know what? The world's a lot bigger than just Instagram. What else can I do? What other avenues can I look towards? Um, and what fit with my skill set? What fit with my personality? How can I share what I have to offer with people in the best way? Um, because I think it does come down to just the individual person. I, there are certain photographers whose work I love, but I just know personality-wise, I wouldn't click with them. And that's what keeps me from ever booking with them or working with them. Um, and so it's ultimately not, not their photos so much as it is them as a person. Um, and I think people kind of forget that. And they mm -hmm. get so wrapped up in how can I make the most beautiful photos and create the most beautiful, aesthetically pleasing Instagram page and all this stuff. And it's like, well, what are you personally doing to offer something to others? You kind of move to YouTube or, you know, your kind of ex your early exploration with a different platform like YouTube compared to Instagram. Um, you know, when people hear that and it's just like, it's so easy for us to be on this podcast to be like, yeah, just go to a different platform like, was it scary for you starting a YouTube channel? Did you, did you have the kind of, you know, 
were you a perfectionist when you first made your very first YouTube video and, and like, or like, how did you even know how to do, you know, switch it from camera mode to video mode? I've, I've told photographers so much. It's like, you know, you have a, that camera, that camera that you have, it, it is a really, really good video camera. And, and it's, uh, and they're like, no, I've never switched it to that mode. And, which, which is amazing. I was like, hey, you've, you've never switched it to video mode. It's like, you have 4K camera right there. Um, t- t- tell me about your experience with that. Like exploring the, you know, we'll use video for as a good example, but, you know, ex- making a YouTube channel and making your very first YouTube video. And I'm sure, tell me about the editing process and, you know, con- or even just at first convincing yourself to do, do this. It, to do it. So I had had a YouTube channel throughout high school and college. And I was always the girl with the camera. Um, but I would put together cute little vlogs and, oh, our first freshman year of college football game. Here's a little video, whatever. So I knew how to edit videos for a couple years. I knew kind of when it comes to photography and videography, they're very similar in regards to like, okay, that's a really good angle that's not, this is something that's like, get different shots, get different. So our, the mindset is kind of the same when you're recording video and shooting photos. Um, but what was weird and what was kind of challenging or I don't know, daunting was we switched, my husband and I both switched and created a family YouTube and, um, said that he would record videos about things he knows and is good at, um, fixing cars, working on things like that. And then I would share social media, photography, things like that. And then we would also create family vlogs and stuff. So saying, okay, we're going to create a family YouTube and he's going to share his thing. And then we're going to share our family thing. But now I'm going to sit in front of a camera and share knowledge as if I know something others don't. That was kind of the scary thing because I can create cute little vlogs all day. Like that's no big deal. But when you sit down and say, okay, well, people have asked me to talk about how to build a platform. And then you're like, well, do people actually want to like, do I actually have the answers for them? Am I actually knowledgeable? And then you start to doubt yourself um, and tell yourself like, oh, well, I'm sure someone else could cover it better. Someone who's been in the game longer, someone who whatever, but it's like, no, no, Meg, these people are literally messaging you, asking you how you built your platform. Um, and so once I, once I posted the first one, it was like, okay, it's out there already. I've done it. <laughs> and now, now I can go and do the next thing. Obviously it's been not as consistent <laughs> as, as it could be or should be. Um, but taking that first step is always the most scary, especially when, you're not taking it upon yourself, but you're claiming to have some sort of knowledge or insight that you want to share with others because the internet and social media can be really mean. Um, and then we can be our worst critics too and think like, Oh, well, I'm sure 50 other people have already talked about this. Like, I don't need to talk about it. It's like, well, no, people are asking you, they want to know you. Um, and again, it goes back to the person behind the business. Like if, if all I worried about was photos all the time and I never shared my personality and I never shared any of my experience or um, any of like my lows or highs in business or anything, then no one would care. No one would ask me um, about those questions or things. And I would continue to just be on Instagram trying to create a really pretty photo page, which doesn't do much for anyone. That's like how 
Instagram can get one dimensional. Like there are the photographers that want to be the super professional photographer. So they, there's no way for them to kind of show some personality because everything, everything they post is a portfolio piece or they're trying to make it a portfolio piece. So these, so these other platforms, whether it's Twitter or YouTube or TikTok or a podcast is a way to show off your personality and it's okay to be kind of an amateur at it because we get it. You're a photographer making a podcast. If it sounds a little wonky, that's okay. Like it's like, that's not, we're not expecting you to That's not your forte. We're not paying you for that (laughs) service. Yeah. You offering it is just another way for people to get to know you, for people to trust you, for people to want to work with you, for people to get curious about you. And those are all things marketing wise that are beneficial Mm -hmm. for people to even ever book with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Give people a way to shop you around, you know, not just, not just your work, but how do you work? What, you know, are you, are you a uptight person are you loose are you are you fun um if you are you know platforms like youtube and podcast i think are um i'll just speak personally that's that's a way that i i've gotten jobs before is because it sure i can show off my work and you know i can share my knowledge or whatever but it's a way that you know a phone call it's like it's it's kind of a personal phone call or it's like how close can you get to actually meeting the person without actually meeting them in person you exactly know, like, you it, want it, people to feel like they already know you and if i won't work with someone i won't give two craps about someone if i go to their page they have a little about me photo and blurb and that's it and i'm like okay that does nothing for me <laughs> it's it's flat it's one dimensional it's on a website and i learned nothing about you <laughs> yeah and like you're saying you know a style shoot well those personal branding photos that's a style shoot you you know you picked out the outfit you picked the location you had you directed your friend photographer to take these personal branding photos of you there's uh you know i think authentic, authentic is an overused word but it kind of We've seen so many about me photos and about me profiles that it's kind of, we're like, we're, yeah, we, we glaze over it with like, okay, cool. Yeah. You like, uh, you, you, coffee and cats and macaroni and cheese and yoga pants. We get it. Cool. So it's like, give me a little, give me a little bit more or, you know, when you're on the day of, how do you work? What are your thoughts? What's your opinions about things? Um, so with, uh, what are some kind of early first steps? So, all right, maybe we convince them that, okay, all right, fine. I'll try to start a YouTube channel or I'll try to start a TikTok account or maybe I'll even get my phone out and record a podcast. Uh, what are some first early stage things to keep in mind? Um, and, you know, let's talk like day one through, you know, day one through day 30. What are something, some things that they should keep in mind when making a, uh, the new move? Definitely um, consider like your goals with it and how much time it's going to take and schedule it out because otherwise you'll make the first step, but then you'll just leave it in the dust and it won't do, you won't, you won't stay committed to it. Um, And pick one at a time too, because I know plenty of friends who are like, so I'm rebranding my website, but I also am starting a podcast. I'm also doing this. And it's like, how can you give your full attention to one of those things when you're just establishing each one of them for the first time at the same time. Um, so definitely pick one and then set up a schedule so that you stick to it. Because again, just like Instagram consistency is huge. Um, 
and that's kind of an L that my husband and I have taken on our YouTube, <laughs> but, but we're getting there. Um, yeah. Consistency is huge and making sure that, yeah, this is something I can tackle right now with my time um, and time beyond. Cause I think each platform that you maybe consider going down has a different time requirement for it. So YouTube, you have to sit down, you record the video, but then you got to put the video together and then you also have to post it. And that takes a couple more hours than the average person probably would think. Um, whereas TikTok is something as easy as like a Snapchat or Instagram where it's like, okay, take a couple short videos, clip them together, cute little music, whatever, TikTok done. Pinterest, things like that. Like they all have different time requirements. So find what fits with you and your schedule so that you're able to be consistent on it so that it actually does something for you. I think another barrier to starting a new platform is that they are going to have to start from scratch. They are going to have to start with zero followers. And for someone that may be established, maybe they've got 2,000, 3,000, 5,000, 20,000 followers on Instagram, they kind of feel comfortable with that. They feel like I... I've built my audience here. They love me. They appreciate me here. If I go to, and they kind of, they attach that high follower count to like their ide- their identity. And if they were to go to a new platform, then all of a sudden they look like a loser who has zero followers. And that's like the negative self-talk they get in their head. If a great way to, I mean, the easy thing to do is just, like you said, Put on the horse blinders and don't care about those vanity metrics at first. But another thing you can do is leverage what you have now for the new platform. So if you do have followers on Instagram, tell them to go check out your podcast. Tell them to go to your YouTube channel. You know, incorporate, blend the content together, uh, add some sort of call to action so that it's not just uh, a YouTube only audience finding you that it's your Instagram audience, you know, finding other places shopping around so they can go to your YouTube channel or go to your TikTok or, or your new, your new podcast. Exactly. That's kind of what I told myself too, because um, especially on my personal Instagram page, it's, it's very successful. I could post an Instagram TV and know that I'm going to get upwards of 5k views, but then I know on our itty bitty YouTube channel, I'll reach maybe a thousand views. And so I could sit here and say, oh, well, I'm just more successful on Instagram. So I'm just only going to post on Instagram. But the reason our YouTube is so small is because we're not consistent on it. If I, if we were consistent on it and we shared every so often, like I share on Instagram, I share on Instagram every single day. I can't even imagine what (laughs) our YouTube would look like if we shared every single day and then intertwined the two platforms like it it would blow up so you just have to it's consistency and then the more platforms you can attach to each other the better off you're going to be our website hosts our youtube it has our instagram it has a podcast link it has like all of those things will connect and so if one person finds one of them you've now got all of your other places and platforms in front of their eyes too for them to find and like you said shop around i think a big big, big problem is staying consistent. And I think it, you're, you're, you're having the same negative self-talk I have about staying consistent or it's like, I mean, how many YouTube videos or how many, um, Instagram stories start with like, Hey y'all. So I haven't posted in a while and I'm so sorry, but you know, things came up. It's just like, don't worry about that. Just no, we're fine. We're fine. We, it's like, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're posting now, but we weren't thinking negatively the time you're away. Um, but when you're starting out, you talked about 
scheduling your content. And I, I think that's a key way to stay consistent. How far out should we schedule content? Um, is Do we make just next week's content or do we try to make two months out or, or 90 day, 90 days of content. How do we, because I think when you have something in the, in the arsenal, kind of ready to go in the chamber to fire the next day, what, what, or how far should we, should we be scheduling content? Yeah. I think it depends on what your life schedule looks like because I have a couple of friends who are on YouTube and what they'll do is they'll set aside an entire day to batch record videos um, for YouTube. Whereas for me, there's not a single day in my week where I don't have something interrupting my day, whether it's another call with someone, whether it's a doctor's appointment or something. And so for me, it's easier to say, okay, once a week on Tuesday, I'm going to sit down and write a blog and then post it on Wednesday. And once a week, Thursday morning, we're going to sit down, record and record a podcast and we're going to publish it Friday morning. Um, So it's easier for me to do mine like that. But I also know batch recording. I mean, come on, if you can sit down and carve out a couple hours and batch record five YouTube videos, well, then you've got the whole month laid out ahead of you already. And you just did it all in one day. And you have no reason to not be consistent at that point. (laughs) I did the exact same thing on Fridays. It's, you know, Friday morning is, you know, the whole week it's been thinking about the YouTube videos. And then Friday is writing out the scripts. And then Friday afternoon is shooting it. And then Friday evening is like, uh, either posting that day or editing and or scheduling for Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays. That's the, um, you're, I 100% agree with that. I've been playing with the idea now of batching just on the first week of the month and not, and not creating content for the rest of the month. And, and I don't know if that's possible, but, but it's like, if you could do so much in one day, how much could you do in an entire week where it's like, this is content week. And then weeks two, three, and four are just dedicated to sharing and doing the rest of, you know, the other aspects of our business. Yeah, that's something that um, Jenna Kutcher, she has the Gold Digger podcast, and she talks about how everyone is constantly putting content out there and they're constantly putting content out there and they're saying, why is it not getting viewed? Why is it not getting the shares and the interaction and engagement that I want it to? And she said, because a lot of people don't understand the most important thing you can do is to constantly share that content. Mm -hmm. You can't share it once and expect the views to be 2000. You got to share it. And then next week you got to rehash it and share it again. Mm -hmm. And then again, (laughs) um, because that is the only way. And so I think also acknowledging that, like maybe you don't need to do something every single week. Maybe you do it every other week and then you just make sure that you're sharing it on certain days throughout those two weeks every time that could be it. Yeah. Make your, if you're making TikToks or make a YouTube video or your podcast, just make it. Yeah. Make one or two for the whole month and then just spend the rest of the month sharing it, uh, re-uploading it, you know, cutting out a clip here, cutting out a clip there, sharing little teaser trailers, making quote graphics. Um, there's a tons, a ton of different ways to start with a large long form piece of content and then, trim it down, make little mini mini episodes, make little mini pieces of content uh, around, around it. I mean, I just, just getting off of the phone to find out what you can be creative about and inspired by. Um, Because overall social media oversaturates our entire world. I mean, we could, Instagram's definitely oversaturated for photographers, but 
social media in general on every platform is just oversaturated. And I think the only way to stick out and do something for yourself is if you're not only consuming more social media and then producing more social media content. So Megan, where can we find your work? Instagram, website, plug away for us. Okay. So Megan Aaron Photography um, dot com is my photography website. And that'll lead you to my Instagram as well. But my Instagram is Megan S underscore photography with two Y's <laughs> underscore. And that'll also lead you to my personal page, which will lead you to our YouTube and another website <laughs> and a podcast. So if you find one of my pages, you'll find the rest, I'm sure. Awesome. And we'll put all that in the show notes for you guys so that you don't have to remember the spelling. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right, Megan. Well, thanks so much. This has been awesome. Absolutely. Thank you, Jordan. Okay. Episode's over. Before you swipe away, I have two things for you to check out. Okay, maybe three, but just kind of stick with me. Number one is my daily email for photographers. Each day, I'm sending out short, actionable lessons on how to improve the business side of your photography business. You'll learn about marketing, strategy, pricing your work, and so much more. Sign up for the first five lessons on jordanpanderson.com. It's my name with .com. It's, it's pretty easy to remember. Number two, and this is a big one, I'm offering one-on-one coaching for photographers who are looking to accelerate their business, get consistent leads, and build a brand they're proud of. Schedule a time to chat at jordanpanderson.com slash coaching. Last is number three. It's this podcast. I'm not asking you to subscribe or go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's a little bit, it's a little bit overdone. But I am asking you to go back, find an episode that resonates with you, download it, and give it a listen. My name is Jordan P. Anderson. I help photographers who hate marketing, and I'll see you on the next episode.